welcome to tonight's edition of the One Hood Power Hour. I am your co-host, Kahari Mosley, here with Miracle Jones, and we have another great episode tonight. Uh, we will be talking to the two Democratic nominees who are running to replace Ed Ganey and Jake Wheatley, respectively, in the Pennsylvania State House, and that is Arian Abney and Martel Covington. But before we get to our esteemed guests, there's always... Uh, so much to talk about. You know, we are really in earnest beginning uh, the political season. You know, candidates who are also running in, in the primaries are circulating petitions. You know, we are, so the season has truly begun with the state Supreme Court's decision to begin a congressional candidate petition circulation that is happening here and all over the state, as well as the candidates running for statewide office. But uh, Miracle, what else uh, is going on in the world of politics that is of note? So you may not have been aware, but over the weekend, there was a little bit of a dust up. There was a, a recent announcement by the Allegheny County Police to say that they were going to start this community outreach program. And the community outreach program entailed them going up to parked cars, looking in Park cars, testing doors, knock doors, windows, under the guise of trying to let people know that their cars could be marks for thieves. We were one of the organizations that basically raised an alarm about some of the issues, particularly around search and seizures, what this meant for people who are just trying to come in and enjoy the parks. And within 24 hours, uh, the Allegheny County Police have said that they're not going to implement that program as of yet. Again, they pulled it back. So we are hopeful um, that they're going to take some of the community concerns under consideration. But they were saying that they were going to literally give you a report card, put a report card on your windshield. Some of the issues people were worried about was whether or not this was actually going to create a situation where people were going to then be targeted because of these report cards being placed on the windshield. What would happen if the officers mistakenly thought they saw contraband or something illegal in a car? And again, there were some issues around whether or not people's registrations would be scanned. Again, uh, City Council has passed legislation that basically said a low-level traffic citations are no longer um, going to be enforced just as a means of pretextual stops. And one of those was being people's registrations had a, a, a little of a grace period to, to get brought up uh, into alignment. And so there were some concerns with that. So we're very happy that the Allegheny County uh, Police have, you know, said that they're going to hold off on implementing this program. But this is one of the things that was happening locally over the weekend. Back to you, Akari. Thank you for that uh, miracle. And and as I said earlier, you know, we are, you know, truly, truly, you know, in the first quarter of the political season, and you know, we are being bombarded, you know, with a ton of, of television ads. You know, we had talked, you know, recently about how Pennsylvania uh, has received, you know, more ads than any other corner of the state so far. And, you know, I thought it was a really uh, interesting, you know, article talking about, you know, one of the more interesting, you know, primary elections probably in the country, which is uh, the Democratic primary for United States Senate. And uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer had a, a very interesting story, really looking at the differences between uh, the three uh, candidates running, and that would be Congressman, Lieutenant Governor 
John Fetterman, as well as State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. So it's a great piece. We're going to drop it in the chat as well. And, you know, we're definitely going to be watching that uh, race very closely of two very well-known candidates from the western part of the state and a rising star from the eastern part of the state. You know, it, it very uh, much looks to be you know, one of uh, the more interesting candidates as far as the strength of the field, as well as, you know, the kind of various paths these three uh, candidates have taken to the Senate race. So that's one thing that, you know, we all really should be paying attention to, as well as the many, many candidates on the Republican side. I don't know what the number has gotten up to now, but I do know it is a large, large field of candidates on the Republican side as well. And we, and we will take some time to examine them as well as we get closer um, to the May 17th primary. So in, in, anything else in the world of politics that we should know about before we get to our esteemed guest tonight? Yes, like you said, politics season is here. Again, we're still waiting on the legislative maps. But for those of you who are interested in what this means for our, our election, our election protection, what are some of the election planning that's going on, have no fear because tomorrow at two o'clock, the Allegheny County Board of Elections is having a meeting um, downtown to talk about, you know, the special election that's coming up on April 5th. But for those of you who want to know, like, what's happening, are there going to be drop boxes? Are there going to be early registration sites? Are there going to be additional uh, measures to engage this election season? Um, these are some of the things that will be um, in front of the Board of Elections tomorrow at 2 a.m. So you can go and you can engage and you can talk to the Board of Elections, give public comments. There's not a guarantee that we'll get all the answers tomorrow, but this is also um, a moment for you as a citizen to engage with the Board of In addition, yesterday, for those of you who are able to catch it, we had a special edition of the Sunday Night Sit Down. Usually, you know, we're talking to the politicians, getting to know them. But tomorrow, there is a deadline because the Supreme Court is um, hearing proposals about changing the rules of criminal procedure. And some of these would be beneficial. So it will allow people to have gag one hearings. So they're not languishing in the county uh, cities and county jails waiting to hear if they violated probation. It would also allow for arrest by summons in Philadelphia so that people do not have to be arrested. The default would not be an arrest. But there are also some other issues, such as allowing bail to be revoked for the you know, sanctity of the courts and uh, creating opportunities to keep people incarcerated who are at risk for self-harm. So people living with addictive disorders, drug use disorders, or mental health disorders are now going to be subjected to having their bail revoked for their own health and safety, even though we know jails and prisons uh, are places where mental health issues are exacerbated. So again, we're asking people to uh, reach out, to send um, a letter of support to the the uh, Supreme Court Rules Committee, and we'll put that information in the chat as well so that you're able uh, to engage the committee. And so I know that we have an election coming up. Everyone's like super stoked about this election. So I'll turn it over to Kahari to talk about our guests and, and why we're here today. Absolutely. Yeah, we're very uh, excited to invite it. And, and before actually I, I go to, to our guests, I do also, as always, want to um, give a shout out to our ASL interpreters and our ASL interpreter, Kat. Thank you so much for providing your very needed and, and a very important service to the community. And we couldn't do what we do without um, the support of our ASL interpreters. So 
as we you know enter once again another very very unusual political season you know as we continue you know to face challenges you know with the pandemic you know we had a huge potential transformation of leadership here locally with Ed Ganey and Jake Wheatley ascending to the mayor's office you know obviously with mayor Ganey taking position of mayor and Jake Wheatley resigning his position with the state house to become chief of staff to the mayor created, you know, a huge vacuum of, of leadership in the community. And, and based upon the Democratic uh, Party elections that happened, you know, over the last month, these two gentlemen who will join us tonight will be uh, the nominees of the Democratic Party for special elections that were triggered uh, by uh, the vacancies created by um, A. Ganey and Jake Wheatley leaving to work at City Hall. And these two gentlemen are um, Aaron Abney, who's the Democratic, no, Democratic nominee in the 19th Legislative District, the seat formerly held by Jay Wheatley. And we have Martel Covington, uh, the Democratic nominee for State House in the 24th District, the seat that was vacated by now Mayor um, A. Ganey. Uh, welcome to the Power Hour. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, it's great, to, great, great to have you back on. I'm, I'm going to give my colleague Miracle the honor to ask the first question tonight. But, but thank you so so much uh, for coming on. I know it's a very busy time. Yeah, thank you so much, Gahari. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for uh, joining us this evening. We know that, like you said, this is a busy time. You're still out uh, meeting people, going door to door. My first question is for you, Martel, then you, Arion. What are some of the things that you are working on right now in this transition period to help you get ready to represent the people of your district? Well, that's a great question. So actually, um, there's a lot of things that we're doing. You know, we're in a very unique position with having to run in a special election and then turn around and, and run in a primary. And in the middle of that, you know, get acclimated to Harrisburg, to colleagues, to house rules, you know, to, to how things are, are happening. So right now, you know, trying to prepare for, you know, what an office would look like and how we could implement constituent services is, is definitely one thing. But then also while you say like, we're knocking doors while we're, you know, talking to constituents, whether they be in a current or the new district, what are concerns? What are like the nuanced on the ground concerns? that people in our district have. And I think that's one thing that, you know, I can say that I've been doing, I know, you know, Arion has as well, is, you know, the landscape is going to look a little bit different on both of our, our maps, you know, so that may bring in some different issues that weren't on our radar before. So this is just a big learning period for me. You know, I spent a lot of the day just trying to read and things and catch up on things and, you know, just, just really try to be a student right now because there's a lot happening and, you know, I just want to be able to learn everything I can. Yeah, I'll just add on to it. very similar to what Martel was saying. Everything is moving at a really quick speed ever since the nomination uh, process happened. You know, essentially we are um, planning for the special election while at the same time planning for the primary. And most folks, uh, when they are running for one of these seats, they're running in the primary. And if they win the primary, it's almost guaranteed that they'll win in the general. So they have, you know, sometimes, you know, six, seven months to prepare that transition to get their staff together to identify where they want to put their office. And so our, our window of time is very short. After the April 5th election, we're being told that within two weeks after that, we might get sworn in and it's time to hit the ground running, time to work. 
right? But I think the benefit of, of us, you know, campaigning is that we've, as Martel said, we've spoken, we've been speaking to, to residents, we've been speaking to voters, we've been speaking to people about what they care about and, and the issue. So hopefully that transition won't be, won't be as tough, but we are, you know, just taking it, taking it day by day and um, trying to adjust to everything as, as it comes. Thank you for that. Now we, you know, we can start with Arion and, and back to Martel and, and thanks once again to our ASL interpreters. Just want to give a shout out to Cameron as well, who's joining us tonight. Thank you so much. So my, my, my first question was along, along the lines of what a miracle asked, but I, I'm really, really curious to know, like, how are you balancing, you know, these two kind of dynamics that are working against each other, you know, one dynamic, which has both of you you know, in a position, you know, where, you know, barring some very, you know, unforeseen circumstances, you will be elected on, on April 5th, 5th, on April 5th. And then, you know, as, as Arion said, there will be an orientation process, a swearing in process. And then within a month of that, or, or somewhere around roughly a month, you know, you will be back on the ballot, you know, asking the voters, you know, to keep you. So, you know, how do you plan on, 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 you know, balancing you know, the, the need, you know, to get to work immediately, you know, while also, you know, try to, you know, continue, you know, the hard work of actually, you know, campaigning, you know, and, and earning votes as well. Yeah. So I, I will say, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a grind, but I, I, I kind of knew what I was getting into before we, you know, decided to get into the race. We, we knew the timeline was going to be very tight. So it's not, you know, it's not beyond the realm of my expectations going into it. So. You know, but I, I would also say I have a really good team around me. You know, I, I always tell folks there's no such thing as a one-person army. While I may be the face of the campaign and people see me as a person running for office and then to be the elected official, it, you know, it, it really says a lot to have folks around you and the infrastructure around you that can help you, you know, make sure that your calendar is right. You, you're, you're not double booking yourself or, you know, that you're supposed to be at, you know, you're at the right events or that you're, you know, doing call time and fundraising. So. It's a lot. It's not for the faint of heart. Like campaigning in itself is can be a very draining emotionally, physically, mentally experience. But for me, you know, because I've, I've one been through this before in terms of the gauntlet of running the campaign, I also had in my mind what the timeline was going to look like this time around. And I have a really good team around me that it just makes life a, a little bit easier than it would be if I was, you know, all by myself. Then I have to say the same thing that Arion said. I am. Grateful to have a team that allows us to, to kind of have some balance and, and kind of prepare for things and take things as they come. You know, I, I have to express gratitude, you know, to the people that are part of team tail because they're helping make this happen. You know, one thing that I want to go back to, you said that you said Kahari is basically how we can kind of go from being a legislator to campaigning again. One thing that. I know what we're doing now is we're trying to make sure that we're gaining ground in the new part of the map as well. We don't want to wait for, you know, made ahead and then we're just trying to get into new parts of the 24. We want to prepare now. We want to make sure that we're present now. We're talking to committee people. We're learning about events, you know, and things that are happening in these spaces so that is where we can plug in, you know, in late in late April, early May, and kind of already have understanding of, you know, what's happening in these areas. So that's one thing, you know, that we're doing right now tactfully to kind of prepare. But then also, you know, I think 
for me and Harry on the things that we've done previously allow us to be able to kind of stand on that, you know, just, just the relationships that we have in community and, you know, just building relationships with stakeholders and things like that. Like all those things are kind of able to come into play now in a current map and a new map. And, you know, I think we both kind of have to just lean on that and also like ask for help. You know what I mean? I think one thing about this whole process is like, I've, I've, had to learn to trust people and to ask for help. You know what I mean? Kind of like a vulnerability thing. And a lot of times candidates, you don't hear candidates talk about vulnerability, but it's real. You know what I mean? Like help is needed. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to, to kind of rely on some people to give you information or give you direction or give you support. And I think that's kind of what has us in a position to be able to make this happen is just really just trusting people that are part of the team um, and part of the process. Thank you. So I did have a question because you're talking about this being very unprecedented because you're going to have to uh, run again. So what does the transition look like for you all with the people who are currently working at the legislative offices? Are you able to engage people or is it going to be a situation where you get elected, you bring in new people, but then you have to turn around and campaign? So like, what is that transition and learning curve going to look like in actuality to you, Ariane, and then you to Martel? Yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure about what happens necessarily with, with the staff. I think in, in my district, technically, where where, Jake, where former representative Jake Wheatley's office is, once January comes, it won't technically physically be in the district again. So that kind of like, you know, puts a lot of things up in the air as well as, you know, trying to figure out what the staff look like. You know, we're getting a lot of things from Harrisburg saying, okay, well, you can have this many staff, but, you know, if you do it, if you want to have more staff, then you can have, you know, part-time staff versus full-time staff, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot of things we have to consider because I think the part-time staff may not get, you know, full health benefits, right? So, you know, for me, I got to think about how to, how does that play into being able to retain staff over a long period of time if you're, if you're paying somebody part-time or they're not actually getting health benefits, right? So it goes back to the, the point earlier, but what I'm saying is, and, and as a somebody running in a campaign, it's good to have a good team around you. But even once you get elected, like you need to have a good team around you, people who can have that continuity and that sustainability. Because at the end of the day, you know, nine times out of 10, the elected official is not really doing the direct service, like the constituent services. It's really your staff people. So you really want to make sure you have good quality people and, you know, you're taking care of them and they feel like they're, they're, they're a part of the team so they can provide good services. And so it's, you know, I, I, again, I think it's going to be trial by fire. There's a few people in the current legislature in Allegheny County who have done special elections, but not this quick of a turnaround between their special election and actual primary. So I think, again, we're in a very unique situation and we kind of just have to, you know, to figure it out. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And recently I noticed it was a photo that was circulated on social media that uh, local state representative Dan Miller, you know, posted that, you know, you just spent some time together. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what, what kind of conversations, you know, happen. And for those who, who don't know, you know, Dan Miller, you know, is a leader in the Allegheny County delegation and the Pennsylvania state house represents the Mount Lebanon area of, of the South Hills. And I understand that, you know, local kind of delegation leaders become kind of like a guide, you know, as you go through the process. So what, you know, are those, you know, conversations like, you know, working with, with someone whose role is to help get you oriented to Harrisburg? Yeah, it's, I'm definitely glad to have been able to have 
conversations with, you know, Rep Miller and also Representative Austin Davis and a lot of other reps in the area to kind of give you some guidance, you know, or some of yeah, somebody that's kind of coming into this space. So conversations with Rep Miller are, are kind of like having us understand that you're hitting the ground running, you know, that your orientation is not going to be the same window as it has been for other people, that you're going to have to be able to juggle multiple things, whether it's hiring in a district and in the capital. You know, because there's also an office in the Capitol as well. So, you know, having to, to make sure that we understand that we have to do some hiring. And then also in a district for me, it's interesting where I'm fortunate that I was able to build relationships with Mayor Ganey staff and work hand in hand because, you know, Senator Costas senatorial district encompasses a good bit of uh, Mayor Ganey's house district. So I've been able to kind of work with Mayor Ganey's office for the past couple of years and, and been able to understand some of the nuanced issues. But then on the flip side, a lot of Mayor Ganey's staff has went downtown, you know, so it, it's really kind of understanding what's happening, but then we got to bring a new team in and kind of catch them up to speed as far as how things go. And then also it's an interesting time, you know, with, with things happening where there are going to be people that are going to need supports with rent rebates or, you know what I mean, some tax prep things. So it's definitely a unique time as far as focusing on constituent services because we're, we're going to have to support some constituents through the spring and summer just because of the calendar of things that happen at the state. So, you know, just, just really get us prepared. Rep Miller, you know what I mean? kind of gives you like the coach vibe sometimes, right? Like the, the hoop coach that you have for the boys and girls club, like, you know, so sometimes he's like, all right, you're doing good. You know, this is perfect. But other times he's like, nope, you got to hit this harder. You got to make sure you're doing this, 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 and this. So I can appreciate the balance where it's like understanding that this is unprecedented, but there's still going to have to be some urgency with certain things. So I can appreciate him seeing how unique this time is and being able to kind of give us a little bit of both. And so I have a question. You are both running to replace people who kind of been entrenched in the community prior to taking office. Are there any political differences that you have with the people who are that were in those offices? If so, what are they and how do you set about how are you planning to set about to distinguish yourselves from your predecessors, you Arion and you Martel? Yeah, you know, I, I would just say that I think there's probably more commonalities than there than there are differences in terms of, you know, in the bigger picture, just trying to do right by your constituents um, and the people that that you're representing. And you know, for me, I'm trying to go in. I'm trying to really go into this with with sort of my eyes open and my ears open, and just have a willingness to listen and to learn. And to talk to folks and you know the way i see my position is being able to translate what they're saying they need up into harrisburg and figuring out how do i identify where the resources are whether that is passing trying to pass legislation or if that is trying to identify where there are grant opportunities or things of that nature to address those specific needs that that folks have in the community so, so you know, I, I, I don't I don't look at it in terms of, you know, me trying to do anything to be better than somebody necessarily before me. I don't see it really as a competition. I leave that for other people to to decide at the end of the day. That's not for me. At the end of the day, I'm just focused on what can I do to be the best representative that I can be for the people that I'm looking to to serve. And I'll definitely agree with Ariana about having a lot of the similarities and commonalities. I think I mean the biggest difference of course is just being younger, being a millennial, and just kind of having a different lived experience and, and perspective, you know, but I, I feel like 
me, myself, and, and what we want to do is just kind of build off of, you know, what Mayor Ganey has done, accessibility, being present in the community, you know, being somebody that people could really call on and, and support for issues. And, you know, there are things that we really want to build on off of that, you know, in addition to constituent services, but criminal justice reform, you know, we also want to want to push to make sure that we're able to legalize uh, recreational adult use marijuana in Pennsylvania, you know, so these are things that Mayor Ganey spoke of and, and, and focused on during his time in Harrisburg. And we just want to be able to kind of build off of those things and, and make those things happen. And, you know, primarily those two focuses, right? Just really just, you know, criminal justice reform, you know, especially in the districts that we live in, you know, a lot of constituents that we have are, are dealing with these issues. Families are dealing with these issues. And that's something that we just want to continue to, to lift up and carry those banners in the Harrisburg and just kind of continue on, on that focus. So that's, you know, pretty much what I kind of see about that, you know, I think the only difference is really just the the perspective and just being a millennial, you know? Thank you. Just switching gears a bit, you know, you know, as, as we said, you know, the April 5th primary, you know, for those just joining us, you know, we're on with the Democratic nominee for state representative in the 19th legislative district, Ariane Abney, for the April 5th special election as well with the Democratic nominee in the 24th district, Martel Covington. And, and we talked, you know, a bit about, you know, the April 5th, you know, special election, and, and that's going to take shape in one way. And, you know, and we talked about, you know, you orienting yourself very early after that April 5th, but, you know, wanted to get a little bit more into what we alluded to a little bit. The beginning of the conversation is, you know, this, this pivot, you know, to a primary, you know, because we began a process where there was a number, not, well, particularly in, in, in Martel's case, a number, you know, of candidates had planned on running in the special election, you know, did not receive the Democratic nomination that you received, you know, Martel and, you know, all of them, you know, outside of, you know, a candidate who um, was nominated by the Republican Party, Todd Coger, all decided not to run in the special election and then to see the actual primary uh, in May and obviously in Arion, you know, your case, you know, the other candidate, Reverend Glenn Grayson, who also sought the nomination also chose like many of the other candidates in the 24th district to kind of punt on the special election and then to take a more, you know, robust effort into uh, the primary, which will be happening on May 17th and just for clarity, there will be two elections in these areas. It'll be the April 5th special election and then the primary. And now we're talking about the May um, 17th primary. So, you know, you know, how are you um, both kind of, you know, approaching this? Cause uh, you know, by all accounts, you know, it does seem like, you know, a variety of candidates, you know, you know, are gearing up and, and I'm sure that the primary election is going to be kind of like what I'm sure you were mentally preparing for. In, in the special election scenario, but it didn't happen. But now it's kind of like, the, you know, now the contest begins, but obviously in a different light, because again, as we mentioned, you know, be like this kind of uh, quasi income state, you know, as, as you take on, you know, that next, that, 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 that next challenge. So are you looking, you know, at this primary any different from how you may have looked at you know, the election, you know, going into it, because I know both of you were really re-gearing up, you know, for a very vigorous special election campaign, and then it kind of not happened. But now knowing that, you know, while it may be less opposition between now and April 5th, obviously the opposition is waiting for you come May 17th. We can start with Martel and then Arion. 
Yeah, I don't think it really changes our focus much. We can't take this for granted. You know, I think that that's the most important thing that we have to remember. You know, if you look at like a 200 meter dash or, you know, some people pull up in the last like 40 meters, we can't pull up in the last 40 or 60 meters. Like we have to, we have to power through the finish line. And I think that's a mentality that we both hold, you know, it's kind of, we can't, you know, just sit back as the person that is now the incumbent and not grind out for those last three and a half weeks before the primary. If anything, I think this is going to kind of motivate us, you know, to really want to power through and, and, and really finish strong, you know, as being somebody that was able to go to Harrisburg, meet reps, get sworn in, begin to learn about policy, maybe get uh, committee assignments, we don't know, and then really have to hit the ground. I mean, and I think that kind of speaks to the importance of us maintaining the position in May in the primary, you know, like having somebody that is going to be able to represent the current district and then be able to transition to a new district, um, I, you know, is important. You know, I, I think that that gives us some, some very sound experience and a unique perspective as well. You know, as you just think about representatives all over the Commonwealth, you know, and, and their journey to being representative, I think, you know, me and Arion, and there's another special election that's happening on, on April 5th as well. You know, our journey is going to be unique. And I think that could be a testament to how real this is for us, you know, how much we want this and, and being able to really put an extra time, you know, because there's going to be time dedicated to representative focused things. And then there's going to be time for campaigning, still having a call and still have to do fundraisers. So the ground is going to be real, you know, and, and I hope that the voters will see that and want to, you know, make sure that we're able to stay in those positions. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've seen incumbents in the past who've been in office for 10 plus years run in a primary election and lose. All right, we'll we'll be incumbents for what thirty days, <laughs> so that that doesn't really that probably doesn't really weigh um, too heavily, and it, it is not going to impact our our efforts and our energy going in into the primary election. But we know, you know, first things first, you know, we have petitions coming up whenever they actually decide what that timeline looks like, and you know, I, I think a lot of folks don't always understand. You know, just because somebody announces back in, you know, six months before the actual, you know, six to eight months before an election that they're running for office doesn't automatically guarantee that their name is going to be on the ballot. There's actually a formal process. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of folks, both incumbents and first time candidates who have tried to go through that process to actually get on the ballot that that don't always make it. And so, you know, it's we have to, you know, get through, we along with everybody else who's running for the primary have to get through that process to even be considered to be to be on the ballot. And so there's there's steps to this process. It's, it's not just as simple as you saying you're going to run in a primary election. And so we're just getting prepared, you know, for us that next phase is making sure that we have, you know, that we're staffed up, that we have enough people that can help us get the signatures that we're going to need to get on the ballot. And then we, you know, we, we take- And both of you have alluded to the fact that the maps are going to be changing. Again, we do not know what these maps look like, but we've seen, you know, various maps being submitted as it goes through the court. And there's going to be significant changes to both the 19th and the 24th district. For both of you, as you're going through and you're trying to put your strategy together, do you foresee any issues that you haven't um, talked about or issues that you need to learn a little bit more about if the map changes to Ariana and then to you, Martel? Yeah, I, I think I think the, the issues 
because the, my, the entirety of my district, I'm not sure if Mark tells us this way too, but the entirety of my district is within the city limits proper. So there's going to be at least some high level commonalities of, of issues as we go throughout the different neighborhoods, even the, the newest neighborhood to the district, which will be the parts of the West End. But then at the same time, you know, you have to also offset that with the fact that you know, we're, we'll be new to the West End. And so we, we have to go in there. We have to listen. We have to talk to folks. We have to, you know, understand beyond those top level issues, you know, around like housing and, and education and development and, you know, jobs and things of that nature, like what's actually happening in the West End, like in that community, in that neighborhood, on that block, at that community center, what are the, what are the specific needs that, that they need there? And then figure out how to bring the appropriate resources. So it's it's a combination of there's going to be some general um, themes that are going to cut across many of the communities, just being city city neighborhoods. But then you also have to you know do that granular research and gain the understanding of okay, Miss Betty, you know she cares about all these other high level issues, but her big thing is, you know the you know what's happening at the community center up the street. Like we, we, they want more programs up there, right? So how can we support that effort to, you know, provide more programs at the community center? So it's just a combination of things going into it, knowing what we, what we think we know, what we've been talking about throughout this campaign, but also being willing to adjust and evolve as we talk to folks and, and new issues pop up. And for me, so the current map is not all city of Pittsburgh because currently Wilkinsburg is, but the new map looks like it'll all be city of Pittsburgh. I think that majority of the concerns for constituents remain the same, you know, and those are things that we kind of talk about now with this health and safety, you know, making sure that you no know, voting rights remain, you know, supports for seniors, you know, environmental focus. I think a lot of the things remain the same for the new map, but like Ariad said, those nuanced issues, right? Based on what West Oakland, part of West Oakland looks like, or what Bloomfield, you know, what are concerns to the people in Bloomfield? They go beyond what we know on paper are concerns for voters, but what are concerns in that in that area? So just being able to kind of have those sit downs. And then there's also uniquely a part of the 19th district that is coming to the 24th district. You know, so what does that look like as far as like information and resource sharing or being a connector, you know, how, you know, what can I learn from the 19th, now it's in the 24th. So it's really, like I said earlier, it's a learning time and really just being a student, you know, I think that that's something that's important to share is, um, we have to be in this position and be prepared to learn a lot. And I think that will be, allow us to represent more effectively through this time of, of learning. And then also in the proposed new map, there is a lot more eds and meds that come in, which is eds and meds is educational institutions and medical institutions with part of Oakland coming in. So we gain a lot of hospitals. We gain some of the University of Pittsburgh. So what does that relationship look like? You know, what, what are these institutions able to provide to the community? What programming can we create? I think that's kind of where my mind is going now, especially with the focus about public health, which is something that, you know, this major issue for us is, you know, how can we be able to kind of connect dots with these medical institutions that are now in the district in this community, you know, with still some of the, um, lowest life expectancy rates in the city are, are still in district 24. So I just want to figure out a way for us to kind of plug that in and, and really see some results and really make sure that we're, you know, supporting our constituents. Yeah. And, and, uh, and along, you know, somewhat along those lines, you know, I, I, as you both know, you know, 
you know, Harrisburg, you know, has become, you know, much more, you know, polarized place, particularly over the last, you know, you know, year and a half, you know, coming, you know, into the minority, you know, what, you know, what ways are you looking, you know, to potentially, you know, either build relationships, you know, across the aisle, or is there certain things that are happening from the other side of the aisle that, you know, that concern you that you're there to really, you know, be a stopgap against, you know, so, so, you know, in other words that are, you know, you know, issues that you protect potentially want to push very hard when you get there. And if there's certain issues that you're very concerned with, you know, given this, the current state, you know, of Harrisburg and politics in general. I'll jump in. So, you know, I, I think the, the, the traditional textbook answer is I'm willing to work across the aisle. All right. Right. I think that's what, what most pe people will say. And it's true. I am, but you also be really realistic that not everybody on the other side of the aisle is always wanting to work with us and willing to, to listen to us. And it, you know, certain things become very partisan. And so, you know, I, I've just learned from my experience that, you know, sometimes the, the moral imperative to do the right thing is not always enough for some folks to actually do it. And sometimes the economic imperative is what actually motivates and drives folks. And so, you know, I try to enter conversations with, with people who agree with me on certain policy issues, maybe on the other side of the aisle, you know, when we can't convince them that it's morally the right thing to do when things like voting rights or, you know, healthcare or stuff like that is, you know, getting them to understand from their perspective, the economic impact of either the decisions that we make in Harrisburg or the not the, the non decisions that we make when we just you know punt the ball and don't do anything right there's a cost to all of that and a lot of those folks who are on the other stand, side of the aisle tend to be you know try to push for fiscal responsibility and making sure that we're being good stewards of of our resources and so if we are you know not investing in people on the front end because they don't necessarily want to do that then it's going to cost us on the back end and so getting them to really understand the the economic impact of our decisions or our lack of decisions, I think is, is, you know, part of my, my thought process going into it. But then also something that, that concerns me, um, and Miracle, um, you know, this working in the voting rights space is some of the efforts from folks on the other side of the aisle who are, you know, pushing misinformation about our elections. They're trying to undermine our elections in the past to try to, you know, take away people's right to vote in the future, particularly people who look like us, because we're, we're the ones who don't always vote for them, right? So it's, it's a power grab, a way for them to, to continue, continue to have power. And so I'm just concerned about some of the efforts to circumvent the legislative process where they know they can't get a bill passed because the governor is a stopgap to push back on bad voting, voting bills. And now they are trying to go through the avenue of doing a constitutional amendment and taking questions directly to the ballot for voters to decide and you know for all the misinformation that they're putting out there they don't want to we're concerned that you know voters may interpret their narrative as being true and factual when in fact it isn't and that could have a, a long-term adverse effect so you know just being able to push back and create the narrative that you know you know the correct information to to voters so that they're not scared about you know what's happening with the elections and that, you know, if there's any, you know, things happening that shouldn't be happening, we want to make sure that we push back against that narrative so that everybody that wants to be able to vote can vote and they can feel safe and secure in that process. Uh, yeah. I, so I know there was a couple parts to the question. So, so first, one thing that I have, you know, talked about a lot is, is being a large proponent for 
out of school time. And there's an after school caucus that I look forward to joining and plan to join I and mean, be able to be somebody that could be, you know, a major advocate for the importance of out of school time in all communities, not just in the inner city, but in rural communities as well. You know, we really have to make sure that we're providing out of school time providers you know, with the pay that they deserve and supports that they need, the resources that they need and making sure that there are safe, you know, facilities for, for young people to be able to spend time in after school and on the weekends as well. And, you know, the after school caucus is also a, uh, a bipartisan, you know, thing where you have, you know, co-chairs from you know, all different houses and, and, and different caucuses. And, and I don't know what that will lead to, but, you know, I think that that's just me showing that there's going to be some things that we have to get done. You know, I, I think like one thing that Arion said is, you know, he said putting a ball and, and kind of prolonging certain legislation like that endangers people, you know, like that endangers people's well-being, that endangers people's lives. And I think that that's something that we have to continue to ring the bell about is, you know, we can't we can't play games with people's lives. You know, like I said, some of the lowest like expectancy rates in the city or in my district. And that's important to me, you know, so I want to be able to kind of go and push for some things to get done because lives are legit at stake. Um, and, th and things that concern me, I mean, I mean, you know, we deal with some some issues where, you know, the, the other party, you know, will not vote on things or not pull things out of committee. And, you know, we understand these things happen and that's why amendments are, amendments are super important. But, but things that do concern me, to, to just be honest, I feel like a lot of times in, in, in Pennsylvania, there's kind of copycats from states like Texas and states like Georgia and Florida. We saw that through the pandemic with some of the things regarding like mask mandates and things like that, or even some of the voting things. So what concerns me right now is a push for some legislation to reduce, you know, to address or attack reproductive rights and also some, some anti-trans legis legislation. I feel like people are going to try to push those things concern me. And, you know, we'll say it again. That's why it's important that we have a democratic government, you know what I mean? To make sure those things don't happen, but, you know, just kind of seeing what's happening in those other states. I think that those are the things that kind of concern me is some legislation that we might see brought about. But once again, it's important to have a democratic governor, you know, to make sure that those things aren't and that kind of rolls right into my next question. We saw last year the a lot of the people who won some of the races kind of created a slate, kind of partnered up. And people were running together you know, across state. It is, like we said, the election year of Pennsylvania, all eyes are on Pennsylvania. Have either of you um, began to create slates and committees with other um, candidates? And if so, are you able to disclose like what those are and who are some of the other people that you're endorsing in races um, across Pennsylvania, you Martell and you Arion? Um. Not so much any endorsements right now, you know, just really trying to make sure that we're focused here. But, you know, I have made sure that we've met with some other reps that are, you know, running in the, in the area, um, you know, like Mandy Steele, you know, and, and other people really just trying to make sure that we know who, you know, that we know who's running with us. So not really, really wanting to endorse or throw major support behind anybody, but I have met with, you know, congressional candidates, candidates for that are running for rep, for other state rep in other districts as well, but really just making sure that there's a support. I think primarily we try to support each other as candidates, you know, because that's something that we all have in common right now is like, we're putting our life under the microscope. You know, we're, we're making people are, are able to kind of put our last two cheese graters and, and talk about this or talk about that. And we're all dealing with that at the same time. Right. So I think that that's one thing that 
I've tried to do is just kind of beyond a candidate thing is just like make sure that the person is running is all right. You know, like making sure that people are eating, you know what I mean? Things like that. So support really kind of beyond a candidate, but like support for the person that's running for that office, I think is really kind of where, you know, I've been at as far as support for other people that are running. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, okay. so similar, we haven't endorsed any, any campaigns. We, We've gotten several um, endorsements, which we're really great, grateful for, you know, but we've kind of, you know, been so focused as we talked about earlier, we've got a big task on our hands having to run two, having two elections within, you know, 45 days of each other that we've been really focused on, on this. And so, you know, but I, I say I'm, I'm willing and ready to work with whoever wins their, their election at from school board all the way up to, to president, no matter what election it is. You know, my job is to, is to understand that all levels of government play a, an, an important role, and it's is great when all levels of government government are functioning together. So, no matter who wins, you know what election, whether our our districts overlap in some capacity or they don't, I'm ready to uh, to to get to work with them, in, in, including Martel, because as he mentioned, our districts are are really we we actually are going to be splitting the Hill District, which is the the first time I think in a, in a long time the Hill District has been split between two state reps. And so that's going to be important that he and I are on the same page and we're communicating and we're being, you know, we're, we're being advocates uh, for, for our districts. Thank you for that. And those who are, are just joining us, we are here with uh, Arion Abney, the Democratic nominee in the 19th Legislative District in the April 5th special election and his counterpart in the 24th Legislative District, Martel Covington, the Democratic nominee as well in that special election, which will also be held on April 5th. My, my, my next question kind of is, is along the lines of, of what you both have been talking about a little bit about, you know, representing the city, districts bordering, you know, are there any particular ways um, that you are planning to be a asset um, to the new administration in City Hall, you know, ways you can support through um, ushering state funding or other programs. Is there anything that being that both of you, you know, represents huge, huge parts of the city and, you know, if you're both lucky enough to uh, win the primaries as well, you know, you will be, you know, representing new districts that both, I believe, are, you know, fully within the, in the, in the city. Are, are there any specific ways you're looking to use uh, your position as a way to help support not only the city administration, but to help move the city forward as a whole? I'll, I'll spark it. I'm I'm willing to help however we can. You know whether that looks like some kind of like collaborative efforts or programming or you know any kind of things that will support parts of the city. You know I, I really want to come in and and just be a help. You know what I mean be somebody that, that's a bridge. Whether we're able to kind of share concerns or share informations or you know a lot of times offices will get calls about issues that we may not be able to directly impact how can we get those calls and, and get those concerns from constituents and how can we make sure that, that gets downtown and those things get done you know how can we team up together you know I, I think right now one thing that we're probably going to be working on together is some of like lead line replacements making sure that those things are happening you know some some sewer some sewer mains that are being changed in some parts of the city just making sure that we can kind of stand together on that and make sure that that work is being done properly uh, safely and, and making sure that you know constituents aren't losing service you know flow of service 
whatever that may look like, whatever the utility is. So I know that's one thing that we'll definitely try to work together on is, is you know, just kind of the issues, the runoff and, and, and sewer issues that are happening in East Hills and Homewood and parts of Wilkinsburg and parts of Lincoln. You know, so I know that's one thing that we'll definitely be, be working on together. And I'm sure some other things will come up. Like I said, I know there's going to be a focus on, you know, how can we make sure that safety, you know, that we increase safety out here, especially with the spring and summer months happening. How can we make sure that we're having, you know, a safe spring and safe summers? So I think that those are definitely ways we'll be able to work together and, you know, whatever else may arise, you know, we, we want to make sure that we can really support the new mayor, new administration, and make sure, like you said, we're moving this city forward, however that, that may look. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent in support of of the new mayor and administration, and want to be as as helpful as I possibly can. And from my position, we're fortunate that both the the mayor and the chief of staff are familiar with Harrisburg, <laughs> so you know they can definitely give us some guidance on where the levers are up in Harrisburg to pull to bring the right resources back to the community. You know, I, I think about you know things like development. We know Pittsburgh is, is a city that's going through transition when it comes to development. Whether it's, you know, you know, it's housing, whether it's housing development or it's a commercial development or things of that nature, you know, a lot of times there's tax credits that come from Harrisburg or there's, you know, things that get approved from Harrisburg from the Pennsylvania House Housing Finance Agency to, to bring resources back. So I want to be able to, you know, to do that. But then also, I think at a, at a granular level, I would really love to see my staff and myself have sort of consistent regular meetings with like city council staff, like with the district that that overlap so that, you know, they know what's going on at the state level. We know what's going on at the, at the city level and our staffs are communicating. I know that sometimes that doesn't always happen, but if we can set up regularly scheduled meetings where they're all talking and we're not working in silos so that we can, you know, know how to best go to Harrisburg to, to advocate for what they need here in the city of Pittsburgh. I think that that will be, you know, beneficial to not just our success as elected officials, but I think it's going to be beneficial for the city as a whole. Well, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for spending your Monday nights with us. Good luck to you and your campaign. We hope to hear back from you after, after, after April 5th. And again, thank you both. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. And we also want to thank your families for sharing you with us um, <laughs> as well. So yes, thank you so much. No doubt. And so, like we said, it's it's a very busy electoral season and campaign season. And we mentioned at the top of the hour that we are still waiting on maps. And one of the reasons why it's very important to talk about the maps is here at the One Head Power Hour, you know, we put out, you know, scorecards, we engage, we have forms. But one of the things we do, we only engage legitimate candidates, people who are on the ballot, people who are running, people who said that they're willing uh, to come onto the platform and the program and speak with us and our constituents. If people are not on the ballot, there are people who are not going to be able to have a conversation with. People are not going to be able to do the scorecards in addition for people who are running independent, third party, those candidates are not um, eligible to engage in the primary election because they are not a part of the major parties per the election rules of Pennsylvania. So they will not be included until the general election. We know that some candidates have said, you know, we're running just to run. We're not going to win. We probably are going to figure out how to engage the, those candidates we know that a lot of people are 
care about what's going on in Pennsylvania and are trying to figure out how they can best serve Pennsylvania. But per the rules, people have to collect signatures, people have to be on the ballot, people have to live in certain jurisdictions, people are able to move. The congressional rules are not the same as the legislative rules, which are not the same as the city council, uh, school board rules. So we wanna make sure that we are being like open and honest and transparent when we reach out to people. We're also, as a Black-led organization, really not trying to platform people who espouse viewpoints and ideals, right? And people who espouse anti-Black sentiment. So again, as we're trying to do the best to bring you recent information and, and bring you the candidates, help you get to know the candidates, we do um, have some boundaries for the people um, that we engage with, but we want to make sure we are being clear because we are going to launch our candidate forum series starting next week. So please make sure if you're working for a candidate, you, you're responding to your emails. We, we invite people from all parties and platforms to come and talk with us and engage with us. So again, check your spam, check your junk email. I know sometimes my name personally gets like a flag for spam. So we are trying to like reach out to people. So again, Kahari is going to talk a little more about who we have next week. I know something I, you all have been waiting for, but please just make sure that you're you're engaging with us. If you're a candidate, make sure you have a candidate email on, on your website, on your, on your Facebook, an address or somewhere we can get in contact with you because we are reaching out not only to invite for forums, but also to send out the scorecards. And I know Kari wants to talk a little more about that. Yeah. So next Monday, we will have candidates uh, running in the 12th uh, congressional district, uh, which is formerly, I believe, the 17th or 18th legislative district. I was represented by Mike Doyle, and we are still finalizing confirmations and timing. The timing may work a little bit different because, you know, there's a couple of events going on that night, as well as that's the last night of petitioning for congressional candidates. So there is a little bit of, of, of scheduling jujitsu that we're doing to make it happen, but but we have been in touch with, with three of the four campaigns up to this point, and I'm sure, excuse me, we'll be in touch with the fourth campaign as well in the very, very near future. So stay tuned uh, for promotions that'll begin in the next day or two. And we're just finalizing just some scheduling stuff because we want to just make sure that, you know, we can have everyone on and, and folks aren't like scrambling, you know, trying to do it from their phone in the car and, you know, stuff like that. So just a little bit uh, more uh, logistics we have to do behind the scenes before we can give the full-throated announcement. But we are in deep in discussions of uh, having 12th district congressional candidates, and that would be, you know, Jerry Dickinson, Summer Lee. Steve Irwin, Bavini Patel, which is, you know, a very, very, very esteemed group of people that we're very much excited about having that conversation with. But we do have to work out a couple things behind the scenes. We do want to thank uh, the campaigns for their uh, quick response as we've, you know, have been all dealing with delays of redistricting and not necessarily knowing who's running where and what's happening. So really want to appreciate the campaigns and their staff for being um, so responsive. 
minutes. And so with that, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. If you're watching us on YouTube or if you have a YouTube, please make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. We have a lot of great content coming for you in the next couple of weeks. Again, please make sure you double check your registration. Like we said, the maps are changing. That also may mean your polling place is going to change, particularly for those in the 19th and the 24th. You want to double check your polling for April 5th and your polling for May 17th because as districts change, again, your polling places may change. and You want to make sure you are familiar with where you are going to vote. And with that, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Tomorrow for What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know, we'll be sitting down um, with James Harris, who is the new director of the Black Equity Coalition, and just talk about some of the issues that people are pushing within Allegheny County, issues that particularly impact Black people's health, mobility, um, and economic situations. And it's been a really great conversation. So make sure you are tuned in. And with that, I'm Miracle Jones with my co-host Kahari Mosley. I hope you have a great evening. Bye.